Amen. I want to revisit that Colossians chapter 1 passage. Amen. If you, if you go to Colossians chapter 1, and I want to revisit some of that tonight. Amen. Y'all remember what verse that was? See how many people we had listening to me. Sometimes you're here, but maybe you're not listening. Colossians chapter 1. All right. That's all right. Okay. And so go to verse 17 for me. And let's look what he says. So I, what I established on, on Tuesday, on um, Sunday, and I said something. If you have week one handout, I said that a popular but terrible misguided notion is that Jesus can be your Savior without being your Lord. Remember I said that? And, and, and I'm, not, I'm just recapping, okay? Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says what? He is before what? All things. Right? And what? And in him, all things do what? They hold together. Now, now, did anybody think about this after you left church? Probably not. <laughs> or you probably did. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what does this mean? That he is before all things. The question is, in lordship, are you putting him first? That's what lordship means. Is he coming before everything else? Now, why would I want to put him before everything? Ah, thank you, because it's in the passage, right? Because what? In him. Now, now, throughout the Bible, okay, throughout the Bible, I want, I want, you to, I want to show you something. Go to John chapter 1. I, I, want, to, I want to go on this premise of in him. All right, I want, to, I want to show you all the passages now that talks about in him. What does it mean to be in him? Anybody know what that means? When he says, in him all things hold together. So if in him all things hold together, that, that means something, right? So look what he says here in John chapter 1. I'm in John chapter 1 verse 4. Tell me what it says there. Woo! In him was what? Life. Go ahead. And the life was what? The light of men. See that? John says in him, in him was what? Life. May I say this to you? When Colossians says, back to Colossians, when Colossians says that in him all things hold together, think about it like this. In him we have life. May I say this to you, when you totally dedicate your life to Christ and make him Lord, you begin to live. You really begin to experience life, listen, like you've never experienced it before. Amen. It's a journey. It becomes an intriguing journey and it's a journey of faith. See, because here's the thing, sometimes we want things to be a certain way, but if you live in him, Paul says, in him we have our being. 
I'm going to get to that scripture here. I believe that's, see here. In him we have what? Go to, um, go to, go to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter one. Back up to verse four. And look what he says. Bless you. Look what he says here. What does he say? Uh-huh. Which was given you where? So being in him, so you want to write this down now. Not only be, being in him, he holds everything together. That's number one. Being in him brings you life. Right, write that down. It, you, you begin to live. The next thing is, he says, thank God always concerning you for the what? Grace of God which was given you, what? In Christ Jesus. So what else do you get while you're in him? Grace. Write it down. You get what? Grace. You become a recipient of grace. You know what grace means? Stuff you don't deserve. Listen. You should not have what you have right now, but it was only because of the grace of God. Amen. He says, he says, only it, by the grace of God, it was given to you because you are in Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you about what this in, the word in in the Greek is chi in the Greek. And the word means to be against or around. Amen. To be immersed in him. So in him you have what? You have everything holds together. What else? You have life. You have grace. Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 5. Read verse 5 for me. That, that, it, that in everything you, you were what? You were what? Enriched in him. Now, now watch this. You know what that word enrich means? What do you think it means? Blessings, it means to make, to become rich. Make rich is what the Greek word means. Think about that for a minute now. In him, I become what? Rich. All right? Rich, rich in what? In all speech and in all what? Knowledge. So it's not just about money. It's the fact that God changes the way you talk. And, and he gives you what? He gives you what? Knowledge. You become rich in knowledge of him. And when you and I are enriched in him, in speech and in knowledge, guess what start happens to us? We start to grow. Because he is what? He becomes what? Lord. Being in Christ means that he is Lord. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch what he goes on to say. What, is that, what does he go on to say? 
in you, right? Even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirming you so that you are not lacking in any what? Gift. Awaiting eagerly the what? The revelation of, of what? Of what? Our, our what? Our Lord. All right? The word, the Lord, Lord is kurios in the Greek. What does kurios mean? Master. Ruler. Huh? Lord. Okay, so when Jesus is Lord and while you're in him... You have all these things. Now watch this. Watch what it says now. Watch what it says now. Go to um, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is what? Yes, where? In him. Go on to the next verse. Watch this. For as many as, many as are the what? The what? Promises of God. Watch this now. What? In him they are what? See, so what I'm trying to show you tonight is that if you make Jesus Lord, you do write that down? Now, the next thing is what? Promises. So give me the list now. What do you get from being in him? He'll hold everything together in your life. This is application now. Number two, he gives you life. You start to live. What's the third thing? Grace. Why do I need grace? Because there are times when I fall short of the glory of God and I mess up in this life. Listen, there are a lot of people who are living on pure grace. Guess what? They've been living on grace for a long time. They don't understand why they're still here. But but listen, they're not happy, but they're living on the grace. Are you with me? What's the next thing? He changes the way we talk and he gives us what? Knowledge. Knowledge of what? Spiritual things. And then what's the next thing he gives us? All of his promises are what? Yes. My, my, my. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So so in him, listen, there are 7,465 promises made to the believer. And every one of those promises that God has made, it's going to be yes. You never get a denial. You never get, listen, you never get a no because the promise that God made, it will come to pass. Every promises, every promise that he made concerning you will come to pass. Listen, you may be delaying it. But God says, every promise that I make, listen, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken and their seed begging bread. That's a promise. Amen. Based on a testimony from the writer. What's another promise? 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That if you fall into temptation, God will give you a way of escape out of the temptation. So when he says all of the promises are yes, with God there's no denials. But if you're not in him, and if he's not Lord completely, I'm talking about completely Lord, then guess what happens? You and I cannot really see those. Listen, when was the last time you see a promise come to pass in your life? Come on, somebody. And, and here's the other thing. You have to stand on the promises because every promise that he gives is what? Yes. Well, watch this. Therefore, also through him in our what? Is our what? Through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. So here's the thing. We are given grace, watch this, and we are given a guaranteed yes. So therefore, we should give him glory. When God blesses you, you should not just sit around and say, well, well, I got my blessing now. There are a lot of people that are hanging around grace because they're trying to hustle a blessing. Oh, I wish I had somebody. They're trying to get in on my blessing or they're trying to get in on your blessing. But God says, listen, when I bless you, the natural thing that you will do for me, I don't want anything, I don't want anything from you, the only thing I want from you is glory. What does it mean to give God glory? To make him Lord. To live for him. To give him your life completely. What else? When, when, you, when you get something, what do you do? You thank him. You, you use what he has given you so that it can promote the kingdom. Come on, somebody. So, so the question tonight is, are you giving God glory from your story? Now, we talked about this last night in my counseling class, that every problem that you go through, that everything, every trial, every circumstance, every situation that you face, it all boils down to a worship issue. Know what that means? Something happens to me. Rather than praising God for what I'm going through, what do I start doing? I start complaining. I start talking about it. I start magnifying it. When God is saying, listen, what I want from you is that you would worship me and not the problem. Because if I am Lord of your life, you're not going to worry because you understand that in me. See, here's, here's why a lot of people are not secure in the promises of God to claim any of them because they're not living in him. See, they're living, but they're not living in him. They're living for themselves, but they're not living what? In him and they're not operating what? Through him. And guess what? They're definitely not saying amen. See, 
So he says, he says, he says to, to the glory of God through us. Now, now go to the next verse. Do what it says in the next verse. Now he who what? With you where? So write this down. Here's the other thing. How do you get the promises? But while you're living in him, guess what he does? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You see that? That's just from one search on in him. What does he do? He establishes who? You. What does that word establish mean? I'll tell you what it means. The word establish means it's, 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 it's a Greek word. And the word means to be firm or secure. You see, when Jesus is not Lord of your life, you will always have some insecurities. You will always feel like you're not good enough. You always feel like you're not, you know, you're not talented enough. That you don't have what it takes. But if you're operating in him, come on somebody. Nothing, absolutely nothing will be impossible because you understand who you're living for. See, he says he establishes. Now, he who establishes us with Christ, watch this, watch this now, watch this now, and what? And anointed us. Oh, man. Anointed us. What am I saying now? Not only does he establish you, but he anoints you. You know what anointing means? To set apart for sacred use. Listen, you may not understand right now, but God may have anointed you to do something right now that you're possibly not doing because you're not living in him. See, I'm not saying it's just in church. I'm saying it could be anything. Whatever God has promised, it will come to pass because if you are living in him, he will anoint you to do it. You don't have to fight for it. Come on, somebody. You don't have to fight for it. Go on and read on for me. Read on to, go on to the next verse. What's the next verse? He, he, okay, all right. So in him, what else does he do? Huh? What, what, did he, what, did he, what did he seal us with? Oh, boy, if y'all don't get that now. See, see how it's making sense? See, here's the thing. We can live a life of lordship with Jesus being lord of our lives. If we, these things I just gave you. These are nuggets. These are things that you have to start standing on. I'm not just standing here every week trying to convince you. I hope that you're getting it and you're putting it into practice. Tonight, you've got to decide who's going to be Lord of your life. Because look what he says. Who also what? Sealed us and gave us the what? The spirit where? In our heart as a what? As a promise. A pledge. 
In other words, God kept his promise. It's a promise that was kept. Remember, all of his promises are what? Yes. So he said, remember I preached that passage where he said, I'm sending what? The Holy Spirit. He will come after me. If I do not go away, that was, I, was, I believe that's in the book of John when I did that, John 14. When the Holy Spirit, he said, when I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. And what will he do? He will seal us and, and give us the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. Why, why is it possible to make Jesus Lord? You don't even have to try. <laughs> why, don't I, why don't I have to try? Because I have assistance. Because we have the what? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now tells you. How many know when you start doing going wrong? You kind of feel it, right? You just kind of, it just starts start feeling wrong. You, you know what? If you didn't have that, where would you be tonight? You saw, you saw what happened in California with the, with the fire thing? I'm praying for those people. The art studio thing, young people, 25, uh, 25 to 30, the old, I think it was 35 years old. They had this makeshift art studio, right? You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to create a community, all right? There are a lot of people looking to make other things their Lord, okay? And, I, and it's, it's such a sad thing, and I want to be praying. We want to be praying for those family members, but I want to tell you something, you know what? The devil wants you to take Jesus off the throne and he wants you to put him, put yourself on the throne because you're not going to put him because that's too obvious for him. But if you put yourself back on the throne, it becomes all about you. Then guess what? You and I will never accomplish what God has called us to do and anointed us to do. And here's the other thing. Whatever you accomplish in life, you will not give him glory. So give me the list again. Ready? From the top. Let's get it. In him, he holds everything together. He gives you life. He gives you grace. He changes the way you talk and the way you think. Because he gives you what? Knowledge. Go ahead. He gives you all of his promises and all of his promises is what? Yes. So you can grab. So as a believer, watch this. If Jesus is Lord of your life, what you can do is grab a promise and say, God, Matthew 6.33 says this, that if I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. You said to me that look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, and all this other stuff. So guess what, Lord? I'm trusted that you're going to bless me this week to take care of my bills, to take care of my responsibilities. See, now, now if, if Jesus is Lord, you can say that with confidence, right? Not magnifying your problem, worshiping your problem. Listen, I told you last night, problems become an object of worship. You ever notice that from the time something happens, what's your first reaction? What's the first reaction? Is it pray? No. We may pray later. We may call somebody later. But our first response should be what? 
prayer. So we got the promises. What else we got? After the promises, we have what? Okay. We, we, we give God what? In him we can. Listen to this, y'all. The word glory, let me tell you what the word glory means. It's doxo in the Greek. The word glory means to make something shine. So watch this. Something happens to me, right? Rather than, you know, in the public, right? Rather than me get all bent out of shape, what I do then is I say, God, thank you. Because had I not been through this, amen, I would not be able to appreciate what you're getting ready to do in my life. You follow what I'm saying? I would not be able to appreciate where I end up. So, so rather than curse God, there are people, they get cancer, they get AIDS, amen. They get all kinds of diseases and, and, and sicknesses, heart disease, diabetes, and all these other stuff, they start happening to them. And what they do is rather than worshiping God and saying, God, you know what? I don't know why I got this, <laughs> but God, I'm gonna give you glory because I understand, I don't understand it right now. And let me tell you something, I'm telling you that now, but it's hard to do when it's shoes on your foot. Okay, but, uh, but listen, but if you've been living in him, come on somebody. If Jesus has been Lord of your life, listen, what sense does it make to come to church every week, every year, and you're not benefiting from the relationship? You're not seeing it come to pass. But while you're in him, whatever happens to you, you begin to praise him. Boy, that's maturity right there. What's the next thing? After glory, what do we have? He establishes us, makes us what? Secure. Go ahead. He anoints us. Woo. What does that mean? Sets you apart for what he wants you to do in his kingdom. Go ahead. What's next? He seals us what? With the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 22. I'm sorry. We're in verse 22. Verse 23. But I call God as what? To my soul that to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. Now, what Paul was concluding here is the conversation, he was, he was pretty much disciplined in this church because they weren't living right. He was reminding them what they had going for them. And what they had done, they had, they had benefited, listen to me real good, the Corinthian church had benefited from all of the blessings, but they had remained the same. How is that possible to, to, to experience all of this blessings from God and not change in character? How, how is that possible? He's not Lord. What else? They were not acting on the word. What do we say? Right? Okay. But, but here's the thing. They were getting the blessings, 
but they weren't changing. They, they were grieving the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Corinthian church had, listen, they had all the gifts working in the church. They had all the gifts. They were, gift, they were a gifted church, but they were not changing spiritually. See, what they had done, when they had, they had fallen away. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Go, let me show you something here. Go to uh, 2 Corinthians Go to 2 Corinthians. Let me show you about God. Jesus being Christ. Go to, go to verse 13. 2 Corinthians 5, 13. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, 13. What does it say there? <laughs> You know what that means? I mean, kind of think you know what that means. Uh-uh. You know, you ever talk, tell somebody, boy, you acting beside yourself. That's what he's saying. He said, if I'm acting a fool, it's for whose sake? What did he say? He said, if we are what? See, when you're in him, you get beside yourself. <laughs> you, you start, listen, because you start experiencing a life like you've never experienced. Saints, listen to me. I want you to experience this life. He says, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are what? Sound mind, it is for you. Keep going. Verse 14, he says, what does he say next? For, for what? <clears throat> for what? The love of Christ. What does it do? What does it do? What does that mean to me? Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore what? All died. Paul is saying, he's saying, it's the love of Jesus that controls me. That's how I'm able to make it through. He was telling him, this is how you're able to make it through the toughest days of your life. It's the love of Jesus that controls me. That, 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 that holds me back. Because when I think about how much he loves me, see, he doesn't just want to be Lord of your life without a relationship now. See, some people want to be Lord over you so that they can control you. He wants to be Lord so that you can experience a blessed life. Look what he goes on to say next. He says what? He says for, and he died for who? So that they who live, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Come on now, come on now. 
Let me ask you a question. Write this down. In him, amen, the love of God controls you. Write that down. There's another thing. It's a good list. In him, the love of God does what? But also in him, you don't live for you. He says he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for who? See, and this is where we struggle with lordship. Can I ask you something? Who are you living for? Who are you living for? Because here's the thing, if you're living for yourself, Everything is about you. Everything is about how comfortable you have to, you want to be. Can I ask you something? Would you do anything for him? If he asks you to go, will you go? If he asks you to serve, will you serve? Or will you have a whole bunch of reservations? Well, you know what? Listen, first of all, if somebody in church asks you to do something, you got to know it's the Holy Spirit asking you. He says, he says that, it's, it's what? He died for all that we must no longer live for themselves, but for him who what? Now, notice, the reason that I live for him and not for myself is because of what he's done for me. Do you know what that means? Saints, if you close your eyes today, you're going to be good. So he's saying, while you're living in this life, live for me. Let me control you. Let me, let me have the best portion of your life. I wish I had somebody. Go on to the next verse. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the what? The flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, yet now we know him in this way no longer. In other words, you know what he's saying? The relationship that, the unbeliever don't, doesn't know him like you know him. So what he's saying is that in him, you know something about him that others don't know. You don't just see him in the flesh. You see him in the spirit. So when Je Jesus being Lord of your life means that you can recognize him in the spiritual, in him you have a new relationship, write it down, with him. In him, you have what? A new relationship with him. Not like you did before. Go on to verse 17. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, notice there's a whole bunch of therefores here, right? Therefore, if anyone, come on, this is what I've been trying to get to all night. Therefore, because you don't recognize him the way you, listen, when I wasn't saved, I didn't know anything. I heard about Jesus. I'm like, who's Jesus? I don't know Jesus. 
right? I mean, what did you, I mean, you knew about Jesus. Everybody, some of y'all, your mama brought you up in church. You knew about Jesus, right? But the question is, did you really know him? I want to say this. You knew him, but you didn't have a relationship with him. Some of us were in church, but we still didn't have a relationship with him. Am I right? We were, we, we were conforming to something, but we didn't know what, <laughs> right? Because we didn't get much teaching. <laughs> we got a whole lot of hooping and a whole lot of scooping and a whole lot of singing, but we didn't get a whole lot of what? Knowledge of who he really was. See, why? Because we are emotional people. See, but he says here, he says, therefore, if anyone, if, Anyone is in Christ, in Christ, he is what? So in him, you are a new creature. Stop allowing the world to define you. In him, you are a new creature. All things have what? And what? And new things have come. Why am I not experiencing, Pastor, these new things? What's the problem? The question is, notice what he says. He says, if. <laughs> now, you know what I love about this anyone? It's available to anyone. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're on. It's anyone. It's everyone. Listen, can I ask you something? Have you experienced this newness? Because here's the thing. Sometimes as you, as you say, when you get saved and after you've been walking with God a little while, okay, and the newness have worn off, but the Bible says the newness should never wear off. So that means there's a what issue? There's a sanctification issue. Now, last night we defined the word sanctification. All right? Now, now the word proximity. All right? Listen to this word real quick. Proximity. Who has a cell phone? Pull up that word for me on your de on your definition. Pull it up on your phone for me. Go, in, go open one of your browsers and look up the word proximity for me. Proximity. P R O X M I T Y. Google it. Google it. Pull it up. Come on. Not in your Bible, baby. Your phone. <laughs> what does it say? Oh, come, come on. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. What, what is it? Nearness. You hear, you hear that? What is it? Nearness. So what happens to a lot of people, the reason they're not feeling the newness anymore because they're not near him. They are, they are, watch this, they are not in the proximity of God. 
See, they're not getting closer to him. And proximity has to do with what? Nearness. What else? Closeness. Now, how do you get close to him? If Jesus is Lord, how do you get close to him? Okay, then how do you build a relationship with someone you don't see? Prayer, the word, worship, ministry, evangelism, amen. A- application, obedience. But, but watch this. How much time do you spend getting closer, closer to him? Daddy. I promise you, if I were to ask you tonight, what's your devotional life look like? You're going to say, uh, what? Say what? Say what? Remember what I told you about that? Remember what I told you about that? It's not, you, you can't, you cannot tell me that that's, that that's conversation. Devotion is setting aside what? A particular time. Ain't no buts in this, baby. I know I, it's your, that's your conscience bearing witness against you right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, that's conversation. Now you may now I'm not I'm not taking nothing. I want you to keep doing that. But what I'm saying to you, if you're gonna put him first, it means that I'm gonna take the time to set my alarm clock. I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna get I'm not being legal. What I'm saying is I'm giving him his time without any distractions, without anything else going on. Lord, here I come before your presence this morning. Lord, here I am. I'm pouring out my life to you. Amen. I'm talking to you. I'm praying. I'm in the word. Okay, I'm starting to read. Next year, I got a, I got a, a, a new thing I'm getting everybody, a new reading plan I'm going to bring to you. It's called five by five by five. Okay, five days a week. Okay, five scriptures and five ways to, to, to study. Okay, and what, it's a reading plan where you go through the whole New Testament next year. All right? Now, that, that, what I'm saying is, listen, the only way that I've been able to become stronger and closer to him is by preserving my devotional time. Amen. And then, as I go about my day, oh, you better believe I'm talking to him. Amen. At lunchtime, you know what I mean? Whatever, you know, I'm talking to him all day, Lord, you know, you know, I go to lunch, I'm reading my Bible. You follow what I'm saying? I'm in the word, but God wants, listen to this, in a marriage, because the Bible says we're married to him. You can have conversation, right? You can conversate with your wife, you know what I mean? You talk to her. Hey, baby, how you doing? La, 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 right? Okay. But in every marriage, amen, I don't care how old you get, you need intimacy. <laughs> amen. Y'all can picture that however you want to. But uh, <laughs> you need 
intimacy. And without intimacy, amen, what does intimacy do? It brings you what? Closer. See? And, what, and, and, in, and, in, and in, in lordship, it's about becoming what? Closer to him. Amen? So you do it when? When do you say you do it? Okay. So you do it before you leave? Okay, good. Okay. Well, that's fine. Time doesn't matter. Watch this. In intimacy, time, time, time doesn't really matter. Amen. We got some kids up here. I can't tell y'all what I really want to say. But, but at the end of the day, it's the fact that you're doing it. Amen. And then at the nighttime, amen. That's it. You know, on my phone, I have it set uh, 6 a.m., uh, 12 noon, and then 6 p.m. Okay, so 6, uh, 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m., my, my clock, my alarm goes off. Okay, and it says, be in prayer room. Okay, because what I decided to do, okay, now I've fallen off. Okay, so listen, we're not perfect. Okay, but the fact that you're taking the time to spend with him changes the relationship, y'all. Amen? Look what he says. He says, old things have passed away. What old things? The old life. If any man be in Christ, the old things have passed away. New things have what? Come. Keep going. Watch this. Watch this. This, this, this is what I want to show you right here. Read on. What things? What things? What things? Amen. All new things, right? All the things, all, all the new creature, all these things are from where? From God. Who what? To what? Through who? And gave us Reconciliation. You know what? You know what he's saying. He's saying because God has reconciled, Jesus has reconciled us with God. Now we have that same ministry. Why? Because we are imitators of Him. So relationships that you had, people that you wrote off. Come on, somebody. Amen. Guess what? God can change their hearts. And just like God changed your heart, he can change their heart also. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Go, go to, um, all right, let me see where we are here. All right, we're close. We're almost done. Any questions? Any questions now? Huh? Go to Ephesians chapter 1. And, and, and how many of you have your hand out? Okay, handout number one. I want to just close out at the bottom and we'll, we'll go. Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to read from verse 1 for me. Let's read from verse 1. I want, you to show, I want to show you something. I'll stop right there. You read so fast. 
Who are what? Where? No, no, no. Faithful where? Ah, stop right there. So in him, you become what? Faithful. Keep reading. Uh Uh-huh. Grace to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Keep going. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Good. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. In who? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on. A minute. <laughs> so in Him, not only do you have what redemption, right, and all that, but in Him you have what spiritual blessing. Right? Blessings. In where? You got some blessings waiting for you. But here's the beauty of this thing. In him, in Jesus being Lord of your life, you have some spiritual blessings that's beyond what you can even imagine. Some of us don't take advantage of our blessings. Keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Verse 4. Ah, stop right there. Ah, 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 ah. First of all, thank you. Now, let me say this to you. This is where we get the doctrine of election. All right? The doctrine of election says, you didn't choose God. God chose you from the foundation of the world. It was just he was waiting for the opportunity when you would willfully surrender yourself to him. For me, it was at 25. 25 years old, I surrendered my life to Jesus. But he had already chosen me before what? In him, before what? So either way, I was going to be saved. It was just a matter of when. Now, here's the thing. Even though God knew you were chosen, he didn't didn't push you or he didn't get in it. He left it up to you because it's, it's what? It's free will. Because if he would have manipulated it, it meant that he was controlling you. Go ahead. But they're chosen, right? And they're still chosen, right? But but they get to 75, they get to 85, and they're still fighting. And finally, I remember, forget my dad. My dad's a great example. Okay, he owned his nightclub until he was 80. 80-year-old man going to the nightclub, okay? Running a nightclub, a full-blown nightclub at 80 years old. Still running women. Amen. Still out there in them streets doing his thing. He wouldn't mind me testifying about him right now. Okay. And watch this. At 81 years old, the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to him. He, at 81 years old, he knew he heard it before. 
Now, he didn't have to. Listen, he was doing well. He has money. He ain't hurting. He had everything you could imagine. House paid for. Cars paid for. <laughs> you know, he ain't 80-something years old. He ain't got nothing more left. But that was his life. He gave his life to Jesus, right? Do you not know a week later, he gave the nightclub away, walked away. I, literally, this is story. This is testimony. And and been in church. Now he's eighty. Now he's eighty-five. Gave everything up, and this is what he said to me. He says, "Son, I wish I would have done this earlier in my life." He was chosen, but he didn't what. He didn't surrender. He didn't answer the call. And some of you young people here, I want to tell you something. You're not missing out. Listen, when you're chosen, you may stray, but you will never find peace anywhere else other than in the will of God. Never. You can run. You can go to Florida. You can go to Chicago. You can go to New York. You can go wherever you want to go. I did it. I traveled, and what's ironic, because I did the same thing with the clubs. Amen. I traveled to Miami, Virginia, all over. I still couldn't find peace until I got here. And then the Lord chased me down. (laughs) And then finally, I surrendered my life to him. You see, at 25 years old, I still had a whole lot of life. I'm thanking him. That at 25, I gave it all to him. And I wasn't playing with it. Go ahead. There are some, there are some who are, a great question. There are some who are not chosen, watch this, but we don't know who they are. So therefore, what, what the church has to do, we have to go out and witness. Now, how they got my dad? Is there people went out witnessing. And he surrendered his life, got baptized, gave up the drinking, gave up everything, and said, Man, I'm fit. now he's on the street evangelizing. He he went to seminary. I'm like, Dad, what's up? He's like, Man, I'm learning more about God than I've ever learned in my entire life. But I know there's a God because I'm still alive. Look, in his right mind. And I'm saying to myself, wow, man. But watch this. He's living. Some people get to where he is and they are in the hospital about to die and never get the opportunity. Watch this. When you really surrender to Jesus' lordship, you will want to do something for the natural thing for you to do when somebody has done something like died on the cross for you, <laughs> the natural thing you would want to do is what? Serve them. Give them something back in return. And that is what we do as believers. We give back to God. What do we give back to God? Our time, our talents. Our treasures, listen, while you're young, while you're young, give them all. 
while you, can, while you have it, give it all because, listen, it's not always going to be dim. Because in him, you got to check out all the other pieces we talked about. In him, you have the promises. Wait till God really starts blessing you. <laughs> See, but the problem with most people is this. They get the blessings. We've seen this in our church. They've gotten the blessings, and from the moment they get the blessing, they're out the door. See, and sometimes God blesses them so they can leave. I don't think you're hearing me. I don't think you heard what I just said there. God blesses them so that they can leave because they were never supporters of the church. They were just taking up space. Amen. And somebody else needed to be there. Ain't that something? Now watch this, and I'm closing. He says he chose us where? Before what? You were going to be here either way. Before the what? That we would be what? In what? In love. He said, before the foundation of the world was even made, God was thinking about you. And here's the thing, Alexis, good question. Not everybody is chosen. So the fact that you're sitting here tonight as a saved person, hearing the word of God and understanding it, says to me that you're blessed. Be this is what Paul was trying to tell the Corinthian church. Y'all so caught up on the material blessings Start rejoicing in the spiritual blessings, the fact that you were chosen before the foundation of the world and now you're here understanding God's word and you're not, watch this, you're not going to hell. Exactly, exactly. What you got? You know what? It's a very good question. Only God knows that. Is there a reason why people are not chosen? Here's the thing. That is a very, it's a very difficult doctrine to, to, to hold to because, let me tell you why. Because it seems like it's unfair. But let me tell you, let me tell you now. Watch this now. This is the beauty of this. Um, let me tell you, let me, let me explain it to you. And we're going to go. Okay. Um, first things first. Those people who are not chosen, right? Here's what God does. God still gives them the opportunity to get exposed to the gospel, to be saved. But the difference between them and those who are chosen 
they don't, they deny it, whereas we accept it. Go to Luke chapter 16. I want to show you something. Well, the, that, that system was set up where the Jews were the chosen and then the Gentiles were not the chosen. But because they denied God, the Jews denied God, God grafted in us. So had the, had the Jews not denied Christ or rejected God, we wouldn't be in. But God had a plan. He knew they would be hardening heart. Okay, go to Luke chapter what? 16, real quick. Now we're going to go on home. Chapter 16 uh, and verse 19. Now watch this. This is, this, is a good, this is a good passage on election. All right, Luke chapter. Okay, now there was a rich man, all right? And he did what? He habitually, you know what rich people do? They become infatuated by certain things. You know what I mean? They like Lamborghinis, so they get a hundred of them, right? Okay. Uh, They dress in purple and fine linen. Joyously what? This is what we all want, right? Yeah, this is the kind of life we want. Go on to the next verse. Verse 20. And a poor man named what? Lazarus who laid at his gate covered in sores. In other words, he had some disease. This man here, he was sitting by the rich man's gate, and guess what? He He was sick. All right? Verse 21, and longing to be what? Fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table, besides even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Think about that picture for a minute. That means just that. Means that he couldn't get a compassionate person to, to, bring, to bring ease to his pain. So, so a dog came. God ordained a dog to come. Watch this. And lick his wounds to make him feel better. All right? So that, that's deep. Here it is. A dog is coming and licking my sores, whereas a rich man driving past me every day looking at me saying, whatever. That's it. Right? That's right. So the rich man, he's living his life. The, 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 The dog represents compassion. Right? Now watch this. It says, now the poor man, now, uh, the poor man died. Notice what it says. He died. And he was what? Carried away by what? See, a lot of us are living for happiness in this life. But what we don't realize, there's another life coming. Which life really matters? The second life. Because that's forever. Okay, now what you do in this life will affect what you do in the next life. Right? Now watch what he says. He says, now the poor man died and was carried away by his angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died. And look what he says. And was buried. Lights out. The rich man didn't say that. Now listen. Now Abraham, I'm sorry, Lazarus, here he is. All his life, 
he, uh, let, me just, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Watch this. Verse 23. Verse 23. And in hell, he what? Now notice, the, the poor man was in the bosom of Abraham. In the presence of what? Angels. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to take a chance. <laughs> this is why I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I don't want to take a chance. Because watch this. He says, in hell, he lift up his eyes and being what? In torment. He saw what? Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, here's the reality about hell. In hell, you can see. In hell, you can feel because it says being in what? Torment. Amen. And it tells me from hell, I could see heaven. Oh, my gosh. Is that what he said? He said he saw far away. He had 20-20. He saw Lazarus in his bosom, verse 24. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, now, first of all, my first question is this. Come on, 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 come on. First of all, you didn't just call him Abraham. You said Father Abraham. So that suggests to me that you knew something about God and Abraham. You knew something about faith. You knew something about God to the point where you called him Father Abraham. See, election. When we stand before God, we won't be able to say, you've been to a funeral before. All of us been to funerals. And we've heard the preacher extend Christ. He's going to say, remember that funeral you went to? <laughs> and you heard Christ and the preacher said, come on down. You're like, shoot, I'm going to go outside and smoke my cigarette. I'm done with this. I, ain't, I don't want nothing to do with no Christ. What do I want to do with Christ for? What, what does that mean to me? Look what he said. He says, he said, he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send that. First of all, here's the irony of this whole story. You knew the man that laid at your gate all these years, the dogs had more compassion than you did. But now you are in hell and you want the same man that you overlooked to come down and do something for you. He's not your servant no more. I wish I had somebody. The text says, send him, Lord that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony and in this, in this flame. Hell is real and it's hot. Getting hot in here? <laughs> I reckon you won't have no clothes on. <laughs> Amen. Because it's it's it, hell is hot. Amen. He says, send Lazarus. Now here's here's what I think is the worst torment ever. The fact that I can stay in, I can be in hell and I can look to see heaven. Well, let's reverse the story. 
when you were here on earth. Come on, somebody. You drove by this man every day. You had an abundance. He, all he wanted was the crumbs from your table. That's all he wanted. Now, what you want from him, you want him to take his what? To take the tip of his finger, dip it in the water, and cool off your tongue. But all your life, you drove Lamborghinis. You took fine vacations. Come on, somebody. You had winter vacation. You went skiing. You did all this stuff that you thought life was all about. But you ignored God. Are you with me? Look what he said next. He says, verse 25, he says, But Abraham said, children, child, remember that during, watch this, during, during what? No, no, notice this, notice this. In hell, not only can you see, feel, taste, touch, but you can remember. I think that's more torment than being in the flame. Because here I am sitting in, inflamed, in torment, wishing, remembering the times that I could have changed my life around. Where I could have made Jesus Lord, but I wanted to party. I wanted to live for the world. See, you don't know if tonight you're going to go. But watch what he says. He says, child, during your life, you receive your what? Good things. And likewise, Lazarus, what? Bad things. But now he's being what? Comforted here. And you are in what? Agony. Verse 26. And besides all of this, between us and you, there's a great what? Schism fixed so that who wishes to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross over there to us. Here's the next thing about hell. It's a permanent place. There's no coming out of hell. You're there and you will be there. Listen, the little hell you think you're going through here on earth right now? Remember this. This is temporary. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Listen, you're not going to... Remember what I posted on, on Group Me yesterday? It may be cold and dark right now, but the sun is going to shine again in your life. Oh, yeah. So while you're here, make Jesus Lord. While you have the opportunity, because if you end up here, there ain't no turning back, y'all. There's no, you're stuck like Chuck. Look what he says here. Look what he said in verse 27. And he said, then I beg you. Now, watch this now. This, this is where the election piece comes in. I, 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 he said, well, then, then, okay, I beg you, Father. Now you want to have respect for the people of God. That you send him. Now, first of all, you used to control stuff in this life. <laughs> you don't get to control nothing in, the, in, the next, in that life. 
Watch what he says. He says, I wish that you would send him to my father's house. Verse 28. For I have what? Five brothers. So, so watch this. In hell, when you're living with regrets, you start thinking about who? You start thinking about your family members. Do you know how many people went to hell today, this morning? And they have the same regret right now. And they're wishing they can send somebody to tell you to get your act together. Stop tripping. Make Jesus Lord. Surrender. Live for me. Watch what he says. He says, I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come where? To this place of torment. But Abraham said what? They have Moses and the prophet. Let them hear them. You know what he's saying? You got the word. You got, they have preachers. And guess what? Watch what he says. Verse 30. But he says, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will what? They will what? Repent. Look what he says. He said, but he said to him, if they do not listen to pastor, I mean Moses, and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Why are you so stubborn in heart? Where you will not believe. He's saying these people are the ones who are not chosen. Because if someone comes from the dead, who rose from the dead? Jesus. They won't even believe. They won't turn their lives over. They won't surrender. Listen, I want to tell you today, y'all. You know, tonight I was coming, I said, you know what, I need to wrap up this thing. But the Lord said, no, you keep pressing. You need to hear this tonight. Jesus has to be Lord. May I ask you this? He sent his prophet. <laughs> he sent his preacher. He sent the man from the dead. Didn't I not die? I don't think y'all hear me. I don't don't think y'all hear me. Four years ago, did I not die? And I came back from the dead, right? Why aren't you closer to God then? What more convincing do you need? Some of the hardest people there is to convince that God is real is your family member. Listen, saints, God is saying something to us tonight. I've given you a living testimony that if you make Jesus Lord in him, life is going to be everything that you want.